All right, welcome back, Panther fans. I'm David Brown along with Ryan Graham. Hey, y'all. Tim Thurber. Hello. And our special guest, Ben Moore. What's going on? And this is State of Atlanta. Welcome back, guys. What up? How's it going? It goes well. Everybody have a good week? I was going to say, is anyone going to answer the question, or are we all just going to keep asking each other? <laughs> I want to be on vacation again. That's where I want to be. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Coronavirus party going on. Yeah. Uh, ben, thank you for being here again. Yeah, man. Appreciate you having me, for sure. Absolutely, yeah. I uh, wanted to get you on uh, before the football season started, and uh, we just started chatting last week, and – I mean, I know we still had a few weeks out, or I think actually 30 days out from the game. Uh, so I guess that's kind of like a month, right? That's how math works? Yeah. We're yeah. At 30 sure. I stopped the countdown, uh, you know, because of uh, hashtag COVID-19. Uh, and uh, it was, was a little nervous. And I was, I, I got to be honest, I was told very early that uh, my initial countdown was wrong. And I just kept rolling with it. I was like, all right, going to be defiant. And yeah. then naturally, we, we changed it Thursday night and, uh, what was fun is seeing some reaction from people and they were like, Oh man, it's terrible. It's going to be Clemson, Georgia tech. And I go, uh, I don't think Clemson, Georgia tech is going to happen that night. Just a hunch. And, uh, not, and you did. Yeah. Wait, yeah. it's not, that's not going to happen still. They, they changed their schedule too. <clears throat> well, they're rewriting. Yeah, be, they rewrote the schedules, right? Yeah. We'll get yeah, into Who knows that. if they just dropped their out of conference and just made more buys than normal. Cause they even, they extended their, uh, their, uh, conference tournaments too right everyone's like taking it a week or two out well yeah we'll get we'll get into all the yeah. conference stuff i don't want to get too distracted here at the beginning uh just fine, because fine. just just because last time we had been on we had uh we didn't get a chance to finish everything because we did get a little sidetracked like we normally do early on so we're gonna we make sure to get all the questions in for ben this time and not mess up so with that uh football camp starts tomorrow is that right ben that's correct yep they're uh guys are are ready rock and roll. Um, they had kind of a tiered method of getting guys on campus, but you had summer workouts that started. Um, and, and what was interesting is, is some of the freshmen and, and preferred walk-ons just actually moved in this past weekend. So they got uh, kind of a late start, but a lot of the guys were actually working out. I uh, had a chance to talk to uh, quite a few guys in the 2020 uh, class and they were participating in workouts just like they were actually there. They got know the full rundown and we're doing a lot of film work and, and things that way but uh, this past week um uh, so not so let's see tonight where we are tuesday so the week we could go uh you know was the first start hey here the coaches they can be out there they can actually use a ball which is helpful in football by the way um but uh you know getting <laughs> out, out and doing weight room and uh, field work and things like that but uh, guys have really really worked hard um and uh, they, they have done what they're supposed to do there has been one public uh, case of uh, COVID within the Georgia State football program in terms of the student athletes. Um, the only reason you know that is because the player actually went to his new local newspaper where he was from, and that's Michael Hayes. He was um, uh, in South Carolina at a, on a beach trip with some friends. Uh, for the most part, everything that we're hearing, guys are doing what they're supposed to do. Um, the team is taking it very seriously, and something that kind of Coach Elliott started a couple of years ago, uh, you know, what are you willing to give up to be great? And I think that's the important uh, mantra that has certainly happened. But the guys are excited about camp, and um, you know they'll they'll do the the full you know practice uh, you know in helmet and shorts, and then the NCAA mandated acclimation period, and then from there, uh, then the pads get put on, and you know the the boys become men basically, as as some of the old school coaches would say. Yeah, I like the way that what you said there, which Coach Elliott said is, "What are you willing to give up to be great?" Because that- the big question, one of the big questions, I guess there's a lot of big questions about this whole thing returning has been how much can you trust a bunch of 18 and 22 year olds to do things and asking that question or putting that in front of them, I think, and granted, they're still 18 to 22 year olds and we have no idea what's going to happen, but approaching it from that direction is, you know, if they are wanting to go out to go to that party or go do something else or hang out with that uh, friend of theirs or the, or lady friend of theirs or what have you, uh, they hopefully do have that that in the back of their head, Coach Elliott saying, what are you willing to give up to be great? And the, the guys that really do want to be the best that can be, hopefully will make the right decision and at least be smart. I don't know, man. These guys um, have, have not even started the season yet, and they've already beat Bama. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, and un- until that check gets written, and, and we'll talk about that, but until that check gets written and gets deposited into our coffers, that is a forfeit in my book. Bama has currently forfeit to Georgia State. 
So that's the way to go, Georgia State. <laughs> Woo! Woo! They were two. so scared of what uh, Georgia State did to Tennessee last year that they uh, didn't. They didn't want any of that. And Took the easy right. way out. Boom. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, so I guess uh, then a question I wanted to ask. Uh, the biggest question that pops up on the Panther Talk message board all the time, and any conversation I have about uh, Georgia State football is quarterback. We've got like sure. uh, a baker's dozen of them out there. Uh, we've got some with experience, some without. Uh, some stars, some, whatever. They, and I guess what, what, some with really good social media experience too. Right? Yes, my my, my <laughs> man Michael Calasandro with his uh, heavy Twitter presence. Uh, so tell, tell us what's going on. What, what should we expect or be looking forward to over the next four weeks about finding out who our starting quarterback is going to be? Yeah, you know it, it's been wild too. You know th- this program has been really really lucky, and, and I would even say blessed with three really good quarterbacks the last six years. You know, going going back to Nick Arbuckle and, and just a you know earth shaking uh, presence there, and just a tremendous leader uh, after the chaos that we know the first you know basically four or five seasons. Um, you know Nick stabilized that. Um, still, will probably have records that won't be broken in terms of passing yards, and and um, you know as I still remind folks too. Uh, the offensive line was just completely different. I mean, if Nick Arbuckle was playing behind this offensive line, he may throw for 5,000 yards. It was just that, that unbelievable. Uh, then moving to Connor Manning, who still, you know, I believe has one of the more underrated, you know, careers in Georgia state, uh, you know, football history, and maybe as if any athlete still holds the most wins in program history. And then we certainly know in the last two years, what Dan Ellington was able to do. Um, and it's, it's just tough because you look at it, you almost have to split, okay, his his resume and say, okay, what he did the first eight games and then, you know, certainly the last five. Um, but, uh, you know, the leader right now in the clubhouse, certainly with a guy with experience that has actually played, uh, you know, with live bullets is, you know, Cornelius Quad Brown, uh, big, tall, six four and a half, six five, about 185 pounds. He has gained some weight this offseason um, and has worked really, really hard on his body. Um, you know, very, very natural thrower, big arm. Um, you know, was kind of put in some situations last year in blowouts. You know, he came in at the end of App State um, and didn't really throw the ball a ton, but looked okay um, behind the second string offensive line, which that's a part of it too. It's going to be very difficult uh, for him to do and then cut some time against Western Michigan as well when he was just thrown in there when the game was out of hand. Then, of course, ULM when Dan got hurt. Uh, but also Jamil Muhammad, the guy that I've been very, very high since he uh, signed last year. Um, and, and kind of an interesting deal, too. He enrolled early um, in, at Vanderbilt, um, out of high school, graduated early, then went ahead and went to Vanderbilt, uh, went through spring practice with them through January 2019, uh, actually scored two touchdowns in their spring game, one running, one passing, and then decided, hey, uh, I'm not where I need to be in the depth chart. Um, I'm going to go ahead and transfer out, uh, You know, joins the team here in Atlanta, uh, has to sit out last season. Uh, which could certainly bring up a different conversation with all the waivers being, you know, waived all over the country. But yet we have a guy who sits and says, all right, well, he never played and, you know, was you know, technically on campus. But so he sits out the year. He's a guy that uh, is a little bit shorter than Quad is, but he is definitely huge. Uh, if you follow him on, on social media, um, you know, guy that can just squat a house. I mean, it is, I mean, he's lifting in terms of, you know, upper body and lower body workouts with linebackers. Like he's really, really put together and a guy that, um, is one of the more physical athletes, I think, on that side of the football. Um, and then you have your guy, uh, McKelly Colasardo. Yeah, and I'm saying it wrong, McKelly. It's McKelly. You, you have. It's okay. Um, he'll, he'll, he's one of the nicest guys I've, I've, I've met uh, and a great, great family there out of Chapman, South Carolina. Uh, but he's been on campus uh, since January, and then he went home because, right. uh, the, you know, certainly everything went virtual. Um, but he's, he's in this mix as well. I wouldn't count him out. Um, and a guy that – um, you know, again, when you have a resume like he had in high school, uh, you know, state championship and Gatorade player of the year, it, it catches people's eyebrows as well. But he's a guy that fits in this offense as well, run a very similar type offense in high school, uh, very much a dual threat guy, you know, can move uh, inside and outside of the pocket, can deliver the ball. And, and that's the biggest thing, too. We will continue to see, and, and it was in Allison George, uh, shout out Allison, uh, the great SID for the football office, um, you know, saying, look, you know, the running game is still going to be the focus here, regardless of whoever wins this, this job. But it's going to be those three guys. Um, they're, they're in the mix. I know Kirsten Harvey's name keeps getting thrown in there, and, and no disrespect to Kirsten and his family, but uh, he is a walk-on. He's a guy that's uh, not a scholarship player. And, um, you know, he, he, he's there for depth. If we, we see Kirsten Harvey – uh, starting games this year, something has gone horribly wrong. <laughs> yeah, I, you say that actually reminds me. It's so it's completely unrelated, but uh, I went to Falcons camp uh, last year, 
and we we uh, we'll be doing a little autograph thing, and Matt Shaw walks by. My friend straight up, and I, she, it's a woman, so she probably gets a little bit of a pass there for saying this, but she literally straight up says to him as he's signing the thing, "I hope I don't see you play it all this season." <laughs> <laughs> That's fair, though. I, like, I think he, he can appreciate that as a backup. I think. He laughed. He laughed. Yeah. He's like, he's like, yeah, I know what you mean. I mean, he's laughing. <laughs> he was getting his million, two million for that year. He didn't care if he stuck foot on the field at all. But he's he's so, 39 years old. He's my age. And his, yeah, go go Google his career earnings and uh, feel, feel very sad about yourself. Oh, yeah, yeah. Money. He's a, I, I remember when um, uh, Tony Romo was negotiating his contract. He's like, I want Matt Shaw money. That was the thing. So, yeah, he's all right. <laughs> So we talked uh, yeah. about um, quad a little bit in that. And um, I, I, I just thought it was really telling that, like, you know, even throughout the season when, and, you know, I know everyone loves Dan and, and, and um, you know, he's a good player, but, you know, he had a torn ACL and we still weren't starting quad. So I think like that, that kind of speaks to me as like, you know, like you said about the walk-on guy, it's like if, if he's starting, maybe it's questionable because we wouldn't even start him when the guy who was starting above him had a torn ACL. Like, was he not better than Dan with a torn ACL? It, it, I think it was just different. I think it was the threat of it. And, and I think the biggest thing that Coach Elliott, you know, kind of even found out is the week, you know, the, you remember the weekend after Louisiana Monroe, it was App State at home. And, you know, you, you're still in the mix in terms of – even with that loss, you know, it's the first loss in conference. You still had a shot basically to go and win the division um, if you could find a way against App State. Um, I think the toughest part about it is, and certainly we saw the offense grind to such a halt, you know, rushing the ball because he was zero threat. Um, and that was kind of my question as well. Um, but, you know, with the assumption, you know, you had a big time athlete in Jamil Muhammad, you know, what happens, and we can play the what if game forever, but, you know, again, not only what if Dan doesn't get hurt, but what if, you know, Jamil's eligible and he can step in right away and, and, you know, have, uh, and quad's not the runner that, that, you know, Dan certainly was. And I don't even think Jamil is, but um, you know, he's got a bigger arm and, and I think that's where they were looking at. Okay. Do we, do we operate and have Trey Barnett running, um, and just give the option, but then teams, you know, were adept and realized, hey, look, he, he's not going to run at all, and and he's, I think, he ran for a total of like sixty yards in the last five games, which is just not Dan Ellington as we saw. But um, I think they just, you know, the goal was to redshirt him. Um, it was a tough decision. I know the coaches fought with it as well. Um, that's the biggest thing, um, you know, they they're looking at because you do wonder that, hey, you know, do we have a better chance if this guy's not out there, you know, potentially hurting himself worse. And, and we just saw that. I mean, the, the games got out of hand pretty quickly. Um, you know, Ab State was great. Um, and then it got continue, uh, you know, continue to kind of fall apart, except for the South Alabama game. So, um, you know, he, he's had a whole offseason again, and he's got, uh, you know, he, he's got uh, gotten bigger, gotten stronger. You know, he, he even told me, I think, when he enrolled, he was probably about 175, 100, you know, in that neighborhood. He's up to about 190 um, and can take, you know, bigger hit and bigger role. And, and uh, again, it's going to be a heck of a battle that we haven't seen really in about six years. So you think right now, I mean, it's quad Brown's job to lose at this point, and then we'll see what happens after that. Yeah, it's, it's pretty even. And I would be very stunned um, if, you know, the quarterback got named um, truly at all. You know, Coach Elliott likes to hold a lot of stuff close to the vest just simply because, um, you know, there's really no purpose in giving Murray State or anybody else, you know, any more information. Um, there's not a whole lot of film on quad out there that's positive. So you don't really know what he can do. And because he played in, you know, in two, you know, at very least blowout games in the Louisiana Monroe second half, um, primarily, uh, there's not much out there on him. And Jamil basically has nothing. So um, I think, you know, depending on how those two come out of camp, um, you know, you could see, you know, both of them get playing time against Murray State. I don't hate the fact that we're not playing Alabama week two right before you playing Louisiana. Louisiana is probably outside of App State, the most talented team that, uh, you know, we'll play this season. So um, it's a positive certainly. And, uh, you know, Louisiana has uh, heck, just a heck of a talent level on both sides of the ball. So, um, you know, if both of those guys get an opportunity to play against Murray State, who is not very good, this is not an FCS team um, that is going to compete for a playoff berth if there even is FCS playoffs. Uh, that's supposed to be voted on tomorrow, from what well, I understand. Like, half, half the FCS programs or conferences have shut down, so maybe Murray actually right. does have a chance at a playoff spot this season. Yeah, well, that's <laughs> the problem is they just, they just don't know because, I mean, you got – I mean, you look down the street, I mean, Kennesaw State has basically already have, has had four games canceled off their schedule. So, and again, at FCS, you only play 11. So, um, they're staring at basically a seven-game schedule. So, how do you base it off of, you know, and there's already been some stuff written out there saying, hey, 
you know, bowl games and things like that, we're going to have three win, four win programs this season. It's just going to be kind of crazy. They probably play us. <laughs> I, I, well, yeah, we'll get into that later on. Uh, Tim, I want to give you. A, I want to ask one question. You haven't had a chance to ask anything yet, but I want to ask Ben one thing because it's relating to what he just said. So yeah, so Coach Elliott has was a big change from from what Miles and Curry was mm-hmm. as far as like not letting press or media and uh, to show up to practices and anything like that, and kind of keeping everything close to the vest. I guess kind of the old school. Um, <clears throat> I don't know if it's a Spurrier thing that he got or just kind of an old school football thing. But this just entered my head while you were talking. Uh, do you think that with a name, image, and likeness changes that are coming to college football, that that may actually change the way a coach approaches something? Because when you say he's got nothing to gain from naming a quarterback right now, you're absolutely right. He's got nothing to gain. The team's got nothing to gain. But if that kid, if Quad or whoever gets named as a starting quarterback, that's another three or four weeks that kid can make some money off of his name. And that could be something that is used as a recruiting tool to be like, hey, I'm going to start you, and I'm going to let everybody know that I'm going to start you. You're going to have the entire summer and fall – like pre-camp to know that you're going to be the guy and you can be selling those t-shirts or doing your appearances or whatever it may be. Do you think that's something that could possibly happen? Yeah, it, it's, it's a tough dynamic. And I know, you know, the name image likeness, I'm still very interested to see on how many kids actually can profit off that. Um, because the biggest thing I can tell you from talking to people, not, not just at Georgia state, but around uh, the Southeast in, in terms of the athletic side of things, uh, there's a, there's a very big worry in the fact that, um, you know, a lot of folks are bringing up the car example. All right. So I'm, you know, X, Y, Z, pick your favorite car dealership. Um, and I'm giving $5,000 or $10,000 to university so I can have my name mentioned on the radio broadcast. Um, and I'm going to give 250 of that to the starting quarterback now. Um, and you're you know, kind of using your example. Uh, the, the trouble is that's money not going to the athletic department. So they're nervous about that. Hey, I'm going to make that up. And um, you know, some of these numbers, depending on the program, can get pretty big. Um, the, there's also the other side of it, too, is just the transient nature at that quarterback position. You know, you, you have a quarterback who you know, only one's going to play. I mean, if you're a wide receiver, you can play five, six, seven wide receivers in a game. Same thing with offensive linemen, running backs, you can shuffle in. Um, but as we've seen all across college football, um, the longer you can hold on to kids and keep them engaged, um, I think is is the is the biggest focal point, and 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 even drilling down on this fall um, with the coronavirus pandemic, um, you don't know who's going to get sick, and that was going to be one of my questions for Coach Elliott, and, and you know, in media day, you know, if if we have one or have some media availability in the next couple of days, is just saying, you know, like you don't want these guys really in the same room, you know, not even just six feet apart, you want them 10, 12, 15 feet, feet apart. I mean, even have separate sessions potentially because that is the most important position. Um, you don't want to get in a situation where, you know, you have to, let's just say, put a punter at quarterback, for example. Good point. Let's uh, not do uh, that. <laughs> Tim, you've not gotten a chance to get that word in. Uh, you got a question for Ben? I do. I mean, I don't, you know, the time that quad played last season, it was all garbage time. I sure. mean, I don't put a lot in. I don't, I don't put a lot of stock into that. It sounds like you're pretty high on quad for a starter. Who's your number two quarterback right now? From what you see, yeah, I, mean, I, I think it's Jamil. Um, you know, just just from the standpoint, he's been in the system for for a year. Um, sure. you know, he, he was recruited at, at, at an SEC level. Um, you know, he, he has been through the process. You know, McKelly is not. I mean, this is his kind of first way, and even worse, kind of for McKelly. You know, spring, he only had basically a week of spring practice. Um, you know, Jamil has at least – that was his second full spring practice he's been able to go to. He's going to be used to the process of it. Um, he even put it out there on social media a couple of times. Kelly did. You know, this, this college stuff is hard. You know, go doing, you know, even the virtual uh, and being the quarterback. When there's different expectations, there's different, um, you know, pressures on you as the guy coming in. Um, and, and uh, you know, it's, it's going to be interesting to see, you know, how they manage this schedule – um, if it's 11 games, if it's 12 games, you know, um, things like that, if, if somebody gets added. Um, but just seeing it, the utilization of all of all of the guys, uh, you know, McKelly has that red shirt available if needed. So, um, you know, he has, you know, four games that he could play in and still, uh, you know, take that red shirt. But, you know, I, I think it's Jamil. I think he's a guy, and it was kind of a strange quote in the athletic piece, you know, with Jeff Schultz, Coach Elliott wrote about and just talked about how good of an athlete Jamil Muhammad was and that he could potentially put him at a different position or even on defense. And uh, I, I talked to a few folks. Uh, I think that was more just kind of a sending a message of, of hey, let's, let's, let's lock in here and, uh, and go, go take this job if, if you can go get it. And, uh, again, I, I think it's going to be a battle. Uh, I'd be stunned if it, you know, 
if it didn't rage throughout. Because, you know, the biggest thing, too, with fall is these guys have workouts. They're doing seven-on-seven. Seven, they're doing field work. They're doing things with the wide receivers. Um, you know, what I kind of gotten gotten the early report in spring was, you know, one guy, one guy would look ahead, you know, one day, and the next one, the next guy would take the lead. So uh, it really was a battle. There wasn't, you know, one guy that was, you know, and again, smaller sample size. But uh, you, you only – you had guys that were – uh, you know, putting on, you know, pretty good show. And again, they've got, I mean, almost every single receiver and tight end are back. They got two all Sunbelt tight ends and Roger Carter and Aubrey Payne. Um, and, I mean, they're just, it's just loaded on the offensive side of things. I mean, you, you look at everything that's in front of them in terms of a setup. Uh, you don't have to go and win it yourself. You don't have to be, you know, go out there and be a hero at the quarterback position. And I think, uh, you know, Brad Glenn has shown he can develop a, a quite a game plan uh, to showcase guys skill set. And again, you know, what even shows me, I mean, he, he had, uh, you know, he had Dan in there uh, in, in, in several games competitive, even though he had a torn ACL. So, uh, you know, we, we know, hey, if you have some healthy guys and you've got some guys that can run. And also, we don't, we don't really know, too, on, on how uh, quad looks in terms of the RPO game, you know, being able to go and, and you know, how, how can he read defensive ends, linebackers, does he know how to pitch. I don't know how athletic he is out on the edge because we just haven't seen that quite yet. And like you said, in the garbage time. So I think that all factors in and, and we'll see how, how, uh, you know, how well he adapts to that. And, uh, you know, with both those guys going through the entire system all last season and really, you know, who comes out, uh, you know, on top, it's going to be, uh, it's going to be fun, fun to watch. I think one of the benefits you get though, with somebody like Dan though, uh, you talk about Glenn and I think he let Dan go a little bit and said, hey, you go do your thing. And when you have a quarterback on the field that can call his own plays and, like, really read a defense and make sure that he's making the right calls, like, that's a really big benefit on any offense, like way above and beyond having an offensive coordinator that knows what they're doing. And, uh, I mean, we just don't have a lot of experience, you know, at this point at quarterback. There's just not yeah. not a lot of that that's going to yeah. happen. Yeah, I think uh, uh, Ryan, you're kind of either reading my mind or social media right now because that's what I was going to go to is uh, – we got a social media question from our man, John Weaver, on Facebook. Will we finally see a two-plus-year starter at quarterback for Georgia State? Um, I could see it. Uh, I could also see uh, one of these three guys, you know, bailing out, as we kind of talked about, you know, bail, bailing out and, and transferring different schools because the, the good thing is they're all freshmen. The bad thing is they're all freshmen, which means they're <laughs> going to matriculate at the same rate, uh, basically. So, um, guys want to play in college football, especially at that position. So uh, seeing if they get the opportunity uh, to, to have it here or elsewhere. And, and I can tell you there's more talent coming on the way. Um, you know, the, the quarterback commit uh, in 2021 is very impressive. He has not gone public with his commit quite yet. Uh, and I don't want to certainly steal his headlines, but uh, no, you can totally do that. You can totally steal his headline. We'll put it out here. Yeah. You know, it'll yeah, be no one's listening to us. It's yeah. Atlanta, Atlanta exclusive. <laughs> we'll just, you know, we'll you know what's it. funny? And you know this. Here's the, here's a quick story for you guys. So, basically, the reason why I don't do that anymore is because of RJ Hunter. So RJ, uh, you know, told me that he was going to commit to Georgia State, and of course, you know, the story was, you know, hey, uh, he was a senior uh, up there at, at Pike High School in Indianapolis. So he told me that he was going to commit. I was like, awesome. I was doing doing work for SB Nation back in the day. I wrote the story, published the story. One problem. RJ didn't let all the other coaches know. Oh, no. <laughs> so I had to basically go back and say, all right, so he kind of didn't commit yet. And, you know, he had offers from Butler and Brad Stevens and Wake Forest and other, other you know, programs like that. So um, I let the kids go public and let them go kind of have their moment, and then we got to push it. But uh, let's just say I've, I've had the story written since, you know, July the 2nd. So uh, we, we know who this guy is. It's just uh, we're just waiting on him. He's a silent commitment. All right, all you uh, comp side majors out there, go out there and, and hack Ben's account. We can find out yeah. he has the exclusives over here. We'll just start releasing his uh, leaked documents. Look, give me like two. Give me like two hours to pull up all my old, all my old Twitter stuff. I, I could find them. <laughs> I have no doubt. Yeah. <laughs> hey, uh, uh, do you guys have any more questions about uh, quarterbacks before we uh, take it to uh, another topic, guys? I don't want to. There. Yeah, we have a good question about basketball, it sounds like. so. Uh, well, I'm not done with football yet, so we'll get to the basketball. Well, fine then. At the end. You're the host. Uh, yeah, exactly. Know your place, Ryan. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, Ben, when you and I were talking about having you on for um, – uh, yeah, exactly. John Weaver says, save the, the, 
from he's not even call. caught up yet. He's not even caught up yet. He's talking about something else like yeah, 10 minutes Johnson's, ago. Uh, save the exposing the quarterback for last call. I like it. But no. So when I was talking to you last week about having you come on talk about quarterbacks, your comment was uh, you had a lot to say about kickers. And we have, uh, let's see who it is. It's like our two favorite topics at Georgia State, quarterbacks and kickers, and sometimes <laughs> defense. Well, uh, sometimes. On Twitter, uh, at that 5011 guy, Mitch, he uh, asks about kickers. What, what, what can you tell us about the kicking situations? That was a bit, another big question. There was three big questions. There was quarterback, there were kickers, and then we'll get to next uh, defense. So uh, what can you tell us about the kicking game? Yeah, I think uh, it's probably in one of the best places uh, in terms of place kicking you could possibly be. I mean, you have no- no- Noel Ruiz, uh, who was an FCS All-American in North Carolina A&T, and um, just the volume amount, uh, you know, I believe he was 23 for 27, uh, basically kicking field goals, has a really, really good range, is a guy that could be an outside NFL caliber prospect um, that's coming in as a graduate transfer. Uh, and I think the biggest thing, too, and, and Brandon Wright would probably never say it, um, and even Will Lutz, you know, he and I talked about it in the past, just the strain of kicking, place kicking, punting, and doing kickoffs. I mean, it tends to wear guys down and you see their numbers slowly start decreasing. Um, I think for the first time in a while, you're going to actually have a place kicker and then a punter. Um, you, you know, Michael Hayes right now is, is looking like the guy who's going to be a punter. Uh, was a place kicker and punter in high school in South Carolina and, and took a red shirt last year. But uh, he looks to be the guy. There's going to be several other walk-on candidates as well um, that are going to be in the kicking mix, including a guy from Will Lutz's old high school uh, who, who will actually talk to the coaching staff and talk to the kid as well and sent him out. So now the roster has been updated. You can see all the guys out there. Um, and uh, But, but yeah, I think, I think Noel's going to be awesome, uh, really, in, in terms of place kicking and, and a guy, again, you know, kicking off turf, uh, you know, is, is such a, an advantage for a lot of these kickers. They, they enjoy it uh, a lot better than, than natural grass. Uh, you won't have that, that slip of that plant leg. And uh, But I think, uh, again, um, I think it's going to be a scenario, too, where he, he puts up serious numbers with opportunity. And as we talked about before, a little bit younger guy on offense. If the offense does stall, but you get over, you know, the, you know, the 40, 45-yard line, you have an opportunity to, to put up points, which is just enormous. Yeah, you with know, with an NFL uh, caliber uh, kicker for our team, is that there's a really good chance they're not going to be going to the Saints. So, <laughs> <laughs> really good chance. Uh, with the with the um, punter, you said we might have a, a different punter. Do you do you, are our coaches like um, are they sold on the rugby kicks or is that like a per player type of decision? It, it is per player, and I mean, we saw it a little bit too. You know, Brandon, I think you know started to wear down a little bit in the season last year. Uh, punting and he, he battled a little bit of a groin injury toward the end of the season too which kind of hurt him um, and uh, again when you have to kick and your groin hurts that's not a great recipe for success um, <laughs> no. but uh, I, I don't know this I'm just uh, just guessing here uh, just the right. anatomy of having to punt a football um, yeah no my, Michael's got a big leg uh, he was a guy that you know in high school kicked you know in, in the several 50 yard field goals you got Hunter Williamson another guy who was a red shirt uh, last year as well walk on um, you got guys that, again, are going to battle at those positions. There just wasn't a whole lot of competition in terms of uh, who could kick, who could punt uh, last year, and Brandon Wright was the best option on both fronts. I think you're going to have options at punter, and, and that's, you know, again, it, you know, there's just not a whole lot of positions that are up for grabs in fall camp, but, uh, you know, certainly punter is one of those. I think it's weird. Yeah. It's kind of obvious, but I don't know. I think it's weird, you know, you know, kicking is obviously a special, special, a specialized position there, and everyone thinks, well, it's kicking, so you can, you can kick the ball, you can punt, you can, uh, you know, kick, place kick, you can do all that stuff. It's very different. It's a very different thing. It's just because you're using your foot to move the ball does not mean it's the same kind of thing. And I, I agree exactly. You start getting one guy. You try to get, open up one roster spot by having one guy that can do all the kicking jobs. And that, that's got to be a huge stress. It's you're not able to spend as much time on place kicking because you're spending time on punting and and vice versa. So yeah, I like having different place kickers and punters. So I, I get it. Hey Tim, you want to say something before I? I was just saying I hope Noel's like Mr. Automatic. It's always been kicking's been in a uh, bane of our existence somewhat. You know, I, I noticed that Noel's got a 52 yarder over Elon, so that sounds good. I just want a kicker. We just don't even have to think it's going to happen. He's going to make it. Tim, I, I really hope that we get a quarterback that just throws a touchdown every single play. 
I, bet, I would love that more, but I bet we, we will have a hard time recruiting running backs like that. I'm, I'm sorry, man. Oh, oh, yeah, no, but if we hand it off to the running back, I hope that they run it for a touchdown all every the time, too. Yeah, like every time. And then, and then, actually, when the defense gets it, I hope they intercept it every play. Just done. Turnover. A few pick sixes here and there just to keep it spice it up a little bit, right? Well, we wouldn't want to we wouldn't want to hurt the offense. I think so. just to spice it up, just a little yeah. flavor, you know? <laughs> you know, just a little pinch, a, a little dash will do you. All right, yeah. So we talked quarterbacks, we talked uh kickers, uh the, the other big question mark. I mean, uh, actually before we ask this question about defense, uh something I was talking to, to, to Tim about. Like so Ben, you are the man that knows as much or as more than uh, anybody about Georgia State athletics outside of Dave Cohen or someone that works for the university. How do you pronounce the defensive coordinator's last name? It's Fuquay. Okay. Okay. So, <laughs> so yeah. Is he related to the um, Coke guy? What's that? Isn't it Coke and Coke? Fuqua? Fuquay? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. He, so, Fuquay had the uh, Instagram uh, handle or whatever. Oh, yeah. On uh, on Friday, and Tim just—I'm not an Instagram guy. Tim messages me, and he's like, "Do you know how to pronounce his name?" And I'm like, "And I, I thought it was uh, Fuqua, Fuqua, something like that." We said on the podcast, and yes, yeah, that's how I said it. Me, I, apparently, I got Calisandro's first name wrong as well. I forget that what that's supposed to be, Michaela, I guess. Michaela, yep. Michaela. All right, so I got that right. I will drink enough to forget that until like next episode, and I'll start saying it, Michael, again. But. Uh, I'm sure he's heard that. He's from South Carolina, so it's all good. His name is pronounced Fuquay. I had no idea. He said it himself right there in the opening Insta, whatever they call an Insta thingy. (laughs) Whatever the kids are calling it these days. So, yeah, so what should we we expect out of Fuquay's uh, 2020 defense? Well, you've got three Power Five transfers in the starting lineup to start. That that helps, uh, certainly. The talent infusion is there. Um, you know, gone are Remy Lazarus in safety and Ed Kearney up the middle and Terry Thomas in the defensive line. Um, but, you know, it's, it's one of those situations that you, you have Chris Moore as a graduate transfer from the University of Virginia who's played quite a bit. You've got, you know, Jemias Williams who's going to play defensive back and, and I think is going to be kind of a rover, you know, being a, being a cornerback defensive back who has elite speed. Uh, played again, you know, as a freshman in South Carolina, uh, was injured last season. Um, and and should we're still awaiting official word if he's going to be eligible? But by every single thing that he does, he checks the boxes and says, "Hey, you know, he played in the you know minimum number of games to qualify for a redshirt." Uh, but he has elite speed. He's healthy now. Uh, guy that can be an impact guy, and also Kyle Wright, guy from North Carolina, uh, that, that uh, University of North Carolina uh, player, came in last year, uh, got sick unfortunately in camp, and uh, you know just. Uh, was not able to to practice for the first few weeks of camp. Kind of a scary deal. I was hospitalized a little bit, and uh, but has recovered, um, gotten better, um, and and is backed up to 230 pounds, uh, and big time inside linebacker. And, and we just haven't really seen that size in a few years. Uh, we've seen you know that uh, a few years ago in Jesse Minner's defense. But I think with so many guys back, um, you know, I believe uh, I can't remember the site that, that put it out there, but I, you know, I used uh, their tweet in, in the piece that we wrote last week. Uh, you know, about the defense, uh, I believe you return all five of your pass rushing threats. Um, so you've got, again, got guys like Josh on Taylor and, and, and Victor Hayward on the outside. You've got guys like Hardrick Willis on the defensive line. So uh, should be able to generate pressure. Your, your defensive backs are, are pretty much set. You've got guys coming back. You've got cornerback depth. Um, the numbers alone on the defensive side are, are pretty impressive. So, um, you know, if not this year, then when it's kind of, I guess, my question. Um, they, they need to be competitive. They need to be able to stop, uh, you know, the, the offenses in this league. Because as we've seen over the last four or five years, uh, you not only have to score, you know, in the high 20s or, or low 30s, you got to be able to prevent other people from from hitting that same range again to win games in the Sun Belt. Yeah, uh, that was the thing last season is that, you know, we were putting up points and Dan was making some amazing plays, but it's like we had to. We had to keep – the offense had to keep, you know, scoring points because the defense we couldn't trust – to make a stop. Exactly. And I think that's the biggest thing. I remember I, I was uh, reading Phil Steele uh, this weekend and he was just talking about the, um, when the, I believe it was, uh, you know, with the scoring offense being up so high, but still, again, we, you have an opportunity where, Hey, you're, you're giving up is just as much as you're, you're scoring uh, historically in, in the Sun Belt. You just can't do that. You can't 
uh, have a defense that gives up 35 every day. And, and I think even when we saw it two years ago in 2018, where there was at least three games that were lost because the defense just couldn't stop anybody. Um, you know, it, and seeing gaps wide open, guys running um, and, uh, you know, wide open and, and, and guys that just, from a rushing point of view, blowing through a defensive line there, there's you know bad angles everywhere um, that stuff has to stop and I think you know wh- whether it's you know I, I've continued to ask the question is it the players or is it the place you know right now the talent level is continuing to rise you still have guys that you know were highly thought of coming out of high school and signed with bigger programs those are guys that are expected to be impact players so they need to have opportunities to go make plays and um, you know again guys that made plays last year the Jalen Joneses of the world and Quay Whites, they're back another year, another year stronger, another year comfortable within the system. Um, you know, I, I'd love to see uh, a lot less of the soft zone and a lot more of the man to man, but that's just not really soft zone, of, man. Coach Fuqua's uh, style. That soft zone, I, 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 man, you're right. I, I'm so tired of seeing that soft zone defense. <laughs> <laughs> And our, our, our professional team does the same thing here in town. It drives me crazy as well. <laughs> well, uh, but well, our professional team does not have a head coach with any defense experience. So there's, there's that. Well, sarcasm yeah. off. Hey, uh, Tim, wow. any questions? Uh, Ryan, you got any questions? I'm Football? good for now. Football questions? I got my only I, I asked. I don't even get Tim a chance to respond. What to, uh, <laughs> then over the next uh, you know four weeks? Should we uh, expect what kind of news should we expect? What what will we be hearing over the next four weeks coming out of uh, the football? I mean, if anything at all. Sure. Um, well, I can tell you one, um, and I just got a uh, a message just now that I um, won't be breaking here, but I'll break shortly after uh, I get off with you guys. But we have <laughs> what the um, heck, man? No. <laughs> Well, I, I, love I gotta go. Bye. All right, uh, no, Tim, you are on Panther Talk duty. Just keep on hitting refresh as soon as Ben leaves. Yeah, this, this, this is this is this is bullshit. We give you a platform, and this is how you treat us. Hey, Ben. To be fair, this will not come out. Oh, I guess it is actually on Facebook right now. That's okay. There's a, seven people looking at Facebook. Yeah. It's fine. Let's let's just say the days of calling at Georgia State Stadium are very very limited. Oh, man. Come on, That's man. Break it. What? That's the yeah. worst news ever. Do it. Do it. No, I'm reading through it live time right now. I feel like Adam Schefter on ESPN. All right. So well. How about you, like Adam Schefter, report the news? Yeah, well, I, I'm. I, <laughs> Can we have some? I'm hearing my sources. Sources are confirming. <laughs> Adam Schefter has the best job in the world. He just waits around with people inside the programs to actually report news, and then he gets to like uh, be the one that breaks it. So. <laughs> He's got to have at least three phones. I know he has that one. It can't be just one. He's got to have multiple that like has to auto forward or something. It's just uh, it's amazing. But yeah, we. Uh, that, that news will come come out shortly. Just uh, yeah, hit, hit refresh. I'll uh, I'll I'll bolt it here shortly. But uh, the, like I said, the the uh, you know as all things do, they have to go in front of uh, you know certain certain review boards and such. And uh, there's things that are already on the uh, board of regents agenda. So uh, that's all I can give you right now. But uh, it does look like it is a um, yeah lucrative deal for Georgia State once it passes. Adam Scepter is probably one of the only guys that can have multiple phones and his wife not get con- uh, suspicious about the thing. So. Yeah. Who are you talking to? Um, a GM from the Texans? <laughs> what are you wearing, GM from Texas? That's exciting news. Uh, we'll look forward wait, to Wait, wait. No, no, David, it's not. There has, there's no it's news. It's an exciting rumor. It's an exciting rumor that, of course, things break after we record episodes because that's – Don't give Ben any credit. No, no, it's, it's, no, Will's, no. Fault. it's Will's fault. Will knew that we recorded this. He came on last week to tell us he was going to try <laughs> to do better, and now Jordan is going to break news tomorrow. It's, it's all but well here, here's the tr- here's the trouble it's this one's not from will this is not from athletics so I, it's a little bit bigger than that this is at the university level so all right well excellent well, well we like the new name of the stadium i don't know see, see this is this is you ah. know we, we don't know that man we can, we can put it on a vote we'll see all right all right uh all right tim go for it ask a question ask something 
And he won't talk. What, what's, what's to ask him? <laughs> All right. Well, I think, I, think that means we're, I think it means we're done with uh, football. We do have a couple of basketball questions. Uh, Twitter question from uh, at Julian Harden three. Uh, actually, both of our questions uh, are from Julian. Uh, who has the brighter future in basketball, state or tech? Yeah, I saw that. Um, <laughs> I, I will say in the in the immediate, um, you know, the the brighter future is kind of a hard question because you have a you know mid major versus a major program. Um, and I think tech is underachieved for several years, and and it's just because uh, you know truthfully, Josh Pastner has not been successful recruiting Atlanta. You know, he's gone the route uh, that frankly Georgia State has. You know, going and get transfers from other major programs, you know, guys from Southern Cal coming in, uh, coming back home, uh, going and pick, picking guys that way. Uh, Josh Passner, I can tell you, I've been talking uh, to folks and, and had listened to interviews with him in local radio. Uh, he was really hoping the NCAA would pass the rule that guys were basically going to be eligible to get the one-time transfer rule so they'd be able to uh, be immediately eligible. That would impact, you know, their program. It would certainly impact our program as well. Uh, but I, I think, you know, certainly there, there is a level of ceiling that Georgia State has just because of the conference that we play in. You know, you're not going to get uh, multiple bids. And as we've even seen, it's very difficult to go and schedule, uh, you know, programs uh, that, are, that are at the level or even higher, a little bit higher because they're afraid to lose. You know, th- that was the biggest, I think, think, shocking thing for a lot of our fans last year is the fact that you lost so many games at home and the way that you lost them, especially the final two home games. Um, but even games that you just the last one didn't count. The last one didn't count because they canceled the program or they canceled the season the day afterwards. So retroactively, you don't count games that happen the day before. That's just the way it works when you cancel games during a pandemic. Well, just you know, hashtag COVID nineteen. It no, they'll just wash it away. No, yeah. I, so how much? How much will having this convocation center change our ability to get higher profile teams in? and give us that better opportunity to kind of – that will be – and we haven't seen every any, everything yet. That will be the best basketball arena in this crappy conference that we're in, right? There's no there's no question. I mean, U, UTA has a great facility. I mean, they, of course, don't don't play football. They're basketball only. And, and there's some you know, nice facilities. I know South Alabama has, has, has uh, improved their facility. Uh, Troy in the last few years pretty well. good. Um, yeah, yeah there, there's, you know, and I think that's the, the biggest thing ultimately is, is it just takes that next step and does have the opportunity. You're going to be able to grab programs that are a lot, uh, you know, more recognizable where the average Joe fans going to come up and show, uh, come out to a game. And, you know, and, and I think that's, that's the big selling point uh, ultimately where, you know, they can come in, get an opportunity to play, um, you know, in a state of the art, brand new facility. Um, you know, that's that's the big goal, go, going and, you know, trying to get games with in-state teams. Like, you know, there was signed with Georgia Tech, you know, doing the, you know, the basically two-for-one, hey, we'll play you guys the next two years over there uh, on North Avenue, but we want you guys to come back when our, when our place is built. Um, and I think you're going to see other, other you know, programs do similar. You know, we have an opportunity as well um, to, to do that. Um, I don't think UGA wants to see us anytime soon, um, even though they're certainly improving uh, dramatically. Um, but uh, just the way that beatdown happened two years ago, uh, Tom Crane probably has no interest in, uh, in coming downtown nor seeing anything related to Georgia State on his, uh, on his schedule anytime soon. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, the, the ceiling is still very, very high. You know, I, I think Coach Lanier with the roster that he had and, and just how young guys were um, last season in terms of, you know, only one senior that was a contributor, um, you know, knowing, you know, his, his style and, and guys that had been in the system, uh, I think the ceiling is very, very high for the season. And, and uh, there's a lot of, you know, uh, just the way that season ended, there's a lot of angst, uh, especially within some of the upperclassmen, guys like Kane Williams, who just, this is his last ride, man. He, he wants to go out with the bang and he understands what it's like to play in the NCAA tournament games. And he's excited to get back. And, um, you know, I definitely uh, think the ceiling is ceiling is, is high there. And um, But uh, to answer Julian's question, you know, in terms of a brighter future, it, it's tough to, to go against a major program just because they're going to have advantages that Georgia State don't. I hear you. I was talking to someone at uh, Georgia State during a uh, one of our PAC meetings, uh, obviously several months ago, and d- during football season. And I was – the conversation was basically, it's been great that Lanier has really not let up from what we saw under the, the Hunter regime, which is great. But seeing – and I don't follow recruiting <laughs> – well, nowhere near as close as you do, but I don't really follow recruiting. 
but what I had seen, what I've read that you wrote and uh, the other things that have come out Twitter or whatever, it seemed like that he'd been put together a great class for some new raising yeah. uh, um, rookies, some freshmen coming in there. So I was getting like, even though I was enjoy- really and thoroughly enjoying our 2019-2020 season, that uh, 2021 class, or sorry, that 2020 class uh, looked exciting to bring a lot more height and athleticism to the to the program, which would be fun to watch, right? Yeah, there's no question. Um, you know, definitely some dynamic athletes and guys that uh, are, are really, really tough. And that's the biggest thing, too. He wanted to add athleticism at almost every single position. Um, the roster as it stands right now, the first workouts um, took place last week. There, it's, it's very guard heavy, but, you know, the, the Sun Belt is a very guard heavy league. Um, and we've, we've seen that in guys that can, you know, play multiple positions. You know, the, you know, it's almost like the positionless basketball that really almost all levels now have gone to. Um, but you've got guys – um, you know, they can step in and, and fill and fill gaps. You've got multiple point guards on the roster now. You have multiple wings that can go out there and score. And, and guys like JoJo Toppin from the University of Georgia, who, who, who are unbelievable athletes at six, five and a half, uh, just, just freakish skills. And, and uh, I think as, as we talked about before in the previous podcast, his, his goal is not to go out and lead the league in scoring. It's actually to be the defensive player of the year. Uh, I, I c- couldn't tell you how excited any coach on any level would love to hear that attitude of a guy who comes in and says, hey, I want to be able to shut the other guy down. Charles, uh, Bar- and- Charles Barkley. I'll take a Charles Barkley on our team. It'd be great, right? Absolutely. He, he Absolutely. was good at defense, right? That, I'm not forgetting that he was good at he's a defensive guy. Yeah, Re- defensive. Round mount or rebound, man? Absolutely. <laughs> Excellent. Excellent. Yeah, so uh, Julian also had another question. Uh, assuming that they happen, what should our expectations be in basketball against teams like uh, Michigan and Georgia Tech? Uh, I think that Michigan game is pretty much already shot to not happening at this point. But assuming it happens, what should our expectations be? Yeah, I mean, I think I think the expectation is certainly to win the game. You know, we we know uh, you know what what the performance in the back to back games against uh, you know Duke at Duke last year. You know, losing by single digits and then going and having a lead against Georgetown. You kind of felt both of those games. You had an opportunity, and, and really the Georgetown one felt, hey, we probably should have won that game. Right. Um, and there were several games last season that were like that. Um, you know, where uh, you had leads late and just kind of let it slide away. It comes back to you know leadership and, and guys that just haven't been in those situations and were role players in previous seasons and now kind of being thrust into, hey, I'm on the court, I'm playing 30 minutes a game, and I'm the guy that needs to make a play or, or make a stop. Um, I think the expectation is always going to be you know, to knock those those teams off. I mean, there's a history here you know, of, of knocking off SEC teams and knocking off, knocking on the door uh, there in the regular season. And that was the biggest thing, too, with Coach Hunter, you know, there was, there was many seasons where you just didn't have the big marquee regular season non-conference win. It came close several times at Ole Miss and, and uh, you know, in, in games like that until really kind of getting over the hump there uh, with, with the jumper by Malik Van Levy over Alabama. But, um, you know, there's there's Coach Lanier's scheduling is pretty clear. I, he will take on anybody, anywhere, doesn't care, uh, wants to test his guys, wants to test his team. And he also knows, look, um, you know, this – those those early tests are a lot better than playing the lower, uh, you know, D one teams, um, you know, just to get you ready for a conference tournament play and hopefully uh, NCAA tournament play as well. So um, I think the expectation certainly is to is to win those games, and that's Coach Lanier's attitude. Yeah, I uh, that was the thing about it. and again, love Hunter, loved his time here. He did so much of this program. He's despite everything, there's no way you cannot uh, appreciate his time and respect him for what he did here. But that is one thing that he did seem to uh, just uh, struggle with was come out of the gate stumbling. You know, like, you know we play like, – basketball is such a weird thing because it's really just kind of set that you're out of conference is all front-loaded. And then right. before you get into your uh, your conference play and you get those big games way early on and uh, so many opportunities, we were in those games and just couldn't close it out. Guys just weren't ready yet for that level of play. That being said – if the game happened in December or January, maybe we wouldn't the, – the other team would be just as well prepared, uh, more experienced as well. So, yeah, it was great seeing uh, Lanier's teams play so effectively against mm-hmm. Duke and Georgetown, like you mentioned last season. So, yeah, that was um, that was it. That, that was, that's all I got for the social media questions. Uh, ben, I don't know if you need to, to run here soon, but uh, I want what I want to get into next is going to be the conference announcements about what is going to happen with football. Would love to have you stick around, but understand. Sure, I'm here. No, we're good. We're good? All right. Sounds yep. good. Sounds good. So, uh, 
Ryan, Tim, do you guys have any more questions with, for Ben about that before we start getting into our regular nonsense? No, I think let's, let's get into the conference stuff, man. Let's, uh, let's talk about the COVID. <laughs> How about you, Tim? You good to go? You ready, you ready to push forward? Yeah, we can push forward. I mean, unless Ben's heard anything about the Convocation Center that's updates, but probably not, right? Uh, October. October for sure. I like it. That, that, that's the schedule, yeah. schedule groundbreaking, yes. Oh, yeah. I was like, done in October. It's not even started yet, man. <laughs> about October. Yeah, and, and Char- Charlie's reiterated a couple of times in interviews and releases that uh, October is still on schedule. So that's what should happen. So, um, yeah, so there was a lot of news since last week. Uh, the Sunbelt uh, announced officially today, but we kind of knew about it yesterday, what the plan was going to be for the conference, which is what I think is the right decision, and that is to play the out of the conference schedule as is and let schools individually play as many out of conference as they deem appropriate for them. So, I think you had to you had to do that so that all those money games didn't get uh get didn't get mutually canceled. Right. Yeah. So like Bama still owes us money because we're willing to play. They're playing ten or ten games, so why can't they play us? Right. And so uh converse to the Sunbelt is ACC and SEC also made their announcements, which is kind of amusing to me is ACC came out. I think it was like Wednesday or Thursday of last week. It was right before we reported and they're going to be like, we're going to do our conference schedule plus one. And everyone thought that was, they wanted to maintain those, those Georgia tech yep. rivalries that Clemson, South Carolina, they were to maintain those, give that the SEC that option for that. And the SEC the next day is like, puts up the big middle finger emoji and is like, we're doing conference only. Screw you guys. We're the big boys in town. Don't think that you have a right to a game against any one of our teams. And I saw all the chest thumping on social media for SEC. Like, why don't we just make it a 13-game schedule from here on out, you know? Yeah, well, because there's a gob ton of money to be made. Exactly. Like, guys, TFY, you know? Yeah, so uh, (laughs) – I don't even know what question to ask at this point, but uh, so what do you guys think of anybody go for it? What do you guys think of uh, the announcements from everybody? Open question to anyone. As a host, you should ask somebody. So there's not the awkward silence. All right. Well, so I will say that Sunbelt basically announced the same thing that conference USA had already announced. Uh, the same thing, you know, conference schedule plus up to four out of conference makeup games have been canceled for you. That's fine. Uh, but reading online on the internet message boards, or whatever, I felt the Sunbelt got attacked a lot more than Conference USA did. Mm-hmm. There was, uh, there was like, a, oh yeah, well, football's not even going to be played, or why, why can you? Um, you know, what I wrote some notes down. Uh, well, so everybody how, knows how, that. How do you care about player safety and all this? Like everybody knows that COVID stays away from the conference games, right? Obviously. I mean, we all know that it, it, it it's. The virus understands that, like, if it's a conference game, you should stay away. Well, they, 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 I felt like they, they gave the Sunbelt a bad rap. Like, you know, well, what happens when your team comes down with all these COVID cases? Like, exact same thing the Conference USA said. It's no different, and there was no heat. There was no backlash. It's like, right, cool, Conference USA, you do you, bro. We're cool. Sunbelt says the same thing, and they're like, oh, you guys aren't even going to play football anymore. That was a conversation killer. <laughs> well, you could be FCS, I was distracted right? in the background. That's the other side. Brian's got some shit going on at home, apparently. <laughs> Can't control his own damn family. My kid is screaming at the top of her lungs right now. <laughs> I heard a little bit, not too bad. Yeah, so uh, with with the SEC not matching up with the ACC, with the, that, that plus one game, that means that Georgia Tech has an open spot that must be played in the state of Georgia. doesn't matter where it is, as long as it's in the state of Georgia. And immediately my reaction was that is Georgia state's game. We're a mile and a half campuses are a mile and a half away from each other. It makes too much sense to do it. And I I'm posting on Twitter. I'm like, this is going to be the case. And Ben Moore says that tech's going to play. I said, how about Kennesaw state? No, you didn't say how about Kennesaw state. You said it's going to be Kennesaw state. <laughs> Here's what I'm huge. Kennesaw fan, apparently. That's yeah, yeah. All day, baby. <laughs> yeah. Love, love that t-shirt under that 24-7 polo. <laughs> yeah, not, not, not so much. But, no, I think the biggest thing, ultimately, 
Um, you know, you, I'm interested to see if the ACC and just goes ahead and, and walks that announcement back uh, and just says, all right, so we were trying to preserve some of these rivalries that have happened for 70, 80, 90 years um, and, and go ahead and walk them back um, now that the SEC has responded. Because you know, if you're a program like Missouri, if you're a program like Vanderbilt, you're, you're, you know, programs like that and don't have that in-state rivalry outside of conference, who are they going to schedule? It's the same thing that, you know, our friends up in Boone were at looking at say, Hey, well, Wake Forest, they could play the game in the state of North Carolina because the ACC says so. Look, man, Wake Forest can lose that game. Right. You think anybody at Wake Forest wants to play that game against App State? No way. Um, you know, it's, it's things and they're scrambling big time for games because they've lost multiple games. Now they lost the game at Wisconsin and now potentially I uh, wake forest and they lost their FCS opponent as well. Cause they, they canceled the whole conference season. So um, you have teams in the league um, who have, you know, like Texas state who has 12 games. They're one of only two programs in FBS that still have 12 games to play. Uh, you have our situation where we have 11 games scheduled um, and we're out there looking uh, actively from what I understand for a 12th game. Um, and, and not only to your point about Georgia Tech, I look at a team like UAB. They lost their week two and week three opponent. Um, that's a short drive out to Birmingham um, yep. or have them come here potentially. So um, and just move that series up, uh, you know, a few years potentially. So there's a lot of options out there. Just, to, you know, it just depends on the on the teams and the programs that do it. Here's where it comes down to ultimately. So these programs are looking at it and going, all right, does it make financial sense for us to host an opponent? To potentially. So let's just say FBS to FBS. So I'm not paying you money to come in and play, uh, you know, a home game or I'm traveling. I'm not basically moving anything there. Hey, we just agreed to a back end deal. Has somebody come out and said, Hey, well, you just fill your, fill your remaining roster with FCS opponents. So, okay, well, if you're paying them $300,000 and you don't net $300,000 on your home game, because you have to have limited fans. In my view, if I'm the AD, why play that game? You know, you're going to lose the money potentially. There's no big time network that's going to come screaming for a, you know, Georgia State Mercer game. You may want to go play a UAB because here's the other side. The Power Five programs um, have pushed their date start date back. ESPN is going to have inventory available. I would not be surprised at all for for a Georgia State, you know, week two or week three game get picked up on on a, on a bigger network just because. The, the inventory is there for the network. Well, we've got no week two games. That's the problem is we've got no week two. So uh, <laughs> if we want to get picked up. We've got to play somebody. And yeah, right. uh, UAB also lost. I think it was Miami. They got the, their game yep. back canceled with. So that yep. is an option. And we were already planning on traveling to Alabama. Now we save an extra hour on gas money to, uh, to stop off in Birmingham versus Tuscaloosa. Uh, I, I agree. I, I want to see a schedule something. There's no reason why we should pay anybody. I think that, we should still honor the contract with Murray State because if we don't honor that, then we have no argument with uh, Alabama. Right. And then you sent me a message before we started this whole thing is that uh, article came out about Bama paying their uh, teams two and a half million dollars across, I think, three teams, including one point three million to Georgia State. And Charlie Cobb was like savage in his interview there. He was basically saying, all right. Uh, Memphis canceled a game with us within two weeks and came out of pocket and paid that. It was like 800 grand or something, 900 grand. Uh, it's like Bama's got a lot more resources, a lot more mm -hmm. finances. They can, they can own up to that. So if we have to pay another team to come and play us in week two, we've got a million point three buck burning a hole in our pocket right now. But my thing is I don't want to pay an FCS team to come down to Atlanta. That, that does not bode well for us whatsoever at all. I'll take, any F literally any FBS team that would want to come to Atlanta or would host us. I will take that on playing any FCS team uh, that week. But what about, what about like Kennesaw state? Who's already, you know, an existing any FBS, FBS for any FCS team. I do not want to play an FCS team. I don't want to, I know. I'm just um, like, even being an ITP snob, um, I, you know, they're, they're not really coming down to Atlanta. No, no, you put them on the CCT and they're good to get here. They get no problem. <laughs> That's right. That's right. See, yeah. you understand. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so actually an idea I had talking about the money thing with Bama is, uh, would, would it be worth it to say Bama, you don't have to pay us the 1.3 million, but you're rescheduling this game at Georgia state stadium. You yeah, come know. into Atlanta. Vince, like, no. Stadium. <laughs> yeah, that's not going to happen. Yeah. Georgia Tech. 
yes, at Georgia State Stadium on nine. Was it ten? What? Yeah, that, that that has more likelihood opportunity. Bam, Bama's not traveling, dude. Are you kidding me? Bama's Bama. They're like, no, nah, it's not gonna happen. Well, this podcast is not about what uh, should happen or what will happen. This is about how cool <laughs> would it be if it happened. Could you imagine it, it would, Bama in here? It'd be great. And we do the same thing that uh, uh, they did for um, whatever that other game was before. Where if you want to buy season tickets to uh, or buy a, a single game ticket to yeah. the Bama game, you got to buy season tickets to the entire season. Yeah. Dude. Yeah, it's it's interesting overall because the SEC, I believe, with all the payouts to FCS and FBS uh, teams that, that they've basically canceled on, uh, they owe over fifty million dollars to a variety <laughs> of different folks. So there's a lot of money that's going to be out Trump, there. Trump change. Yeah, and and that's part of it. The I think the SEC is going to help, just like I mean, the AAC came in there and helped Memphis out as well and, and cut that check as well. So um, they they want these games, you know, to get taken care of. They don't want it. You know, I've seen some, you know, articles and some things written of, of AD saying, oh, we're, you know, lawyer up, we're going to go to court. I just don't see that happening. I think there's going to be uh, the things will get worked out. Um, you know, these contracts, and unless they're really that poorly written, there's usually a, a buyout clause and a, certainly a, a number of percentage-wise that teams will get paid. So I do think it'll get worked out. Who knows if we'll ever schedule Bama again on top of this. But, uh, you know, like, like we said on the open, you know, we're, we're undefeated in the last two seasons to get SEC programs. So, Actually, there, there was one bit of good news, I think, about this happening when it did is, um, yeah, we've played Bama multiple times before. So if we're going to lose a payday game and, and take the paycheck – take it against a team that you've played before a couple of times. I'm and then and have had not success against because obviously we got beat down in both those, but Albert Wilson was the only kickoff return for a touchdown and Bama that entire season. So you know we we've had we've had our little tiny little tick marks of success against playing uh, at Bama. So uh yeah I'm not looking at the other schedules we've had in the past and coming up this is probably the best season to lose a game, a payday game. The fans aren't missing out on an experience that they uh, would have never had before. So it's not like we were supposed to be going up to, to Notre Dame to play uh, outside of touchdown Jesus. So yeah. but, uh, huh, what else? I got a lot of, I had so much about talking about the conference. But I thought like we talked so long and really my questions were more like just uh, kind of fodder. Um, I still think that Georgia Tech playing Georgia Tech in that week two slot makes so much sense. I, I, I don't see why it should not happen. I put on Twitter that it should be in the Mercedes Benz, the Chick Fil A game, uh, make make a huge because that that way, that way it can be a neutral field. It's a stadium between the two campuses. Uh, but then you got to rent Mercedes Benz, which costs about a million dollars. So you don't. No, no, I went to rent Mercedes Benz. You donated. Come on. Yeah, Arthur Blank's going to donate it because he didn't pay for any preseason games whatsoever at all. Chick-fil-A can pay for that. I don't care about that. Battle for Atlanta. Make it happen. Also talking uh, – uh, when Ben, when you went on your little Kennesaw State rant about how they, they should be the team that the tech schedules, I I, I, I got on a Twitter and I started, like, uh, peppering these guys with about why Georgia State should play instead. And I mean, those Kennesaw guys, they're a feisty bunch. Oh, they are a feisty bunch. Yeah. They, they think, I mean, like, it's like, I guess they were too scared to go South Georgia to Southern. So they just stayed at Kennesaw State. But it's the same caliber of fan, like that, that just total, like, narrow minded, simple minded, n- numbskull, just idiot, whatever, where all they can see is how everything works in their direction. And everybody else is just like dog fodder or something like well, that. Well, everybody should know that Georgia State is actually the best football program in FBS football, FCS football, whatever today, well, right? Like, I mean, we're going to be national champs 2025. Exactly, Reddit Crown. But like, that's what so, I was saying. It's like I was saying that we should schedule them, and the guy just – I said that it made more sense for Georgia State to schedule Georgia Tech or right, schedule each other than Kennesaw State – purely because it's an FBS program. We're a mile and a half from each other. It's, it just makes too much sense. And his response was that Georgia State would be a second-tier program in the, the SOCON. And I was like, well, then then Georgia Tech should schedule State because that's the easier win. And he's like, <laughs> yeah. I'm like, idiot. <laughs> There's a reason why you went to Kennesaw State. You went, you went to the uh, – the, 
the bartender and server school and we went to the uh, Magic City school. So, you know, hey, one person knows how to make more money than the other. Try the wings of Magic City. I was about to say, and one person has much better chicken wings. It's true. I've not, I've not had that. Well, I've had nothing from Magic City, so I can't talk about that. Uh, yeah, but I saw those the the picture uh, from last week, and those uh, those uh, fried fish nuggets looked on point. I don't even like fish. Bro. Well, they fried food always looks good. It's like, wow, that 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 looks like fried bread with like food <laughs> inside. So yeah, it looks great. <laughs> it looked good. <laughs> All right, uh, we get, we've been going on for just right at an hour now, so I guess we can go and call it off and head on the last call. I've, a couple of last little things. Uh, we are 30 days from the Murray State game. I put out a Twitter poll on, on the uh, State of Atlanta Twitter account asking where players or where fans were going to watch. It was actually kind of funny. It came in at just over 50% said inside the stadium, and then exactly <laughs> down the middle, like to the vote number, it was exactly down the middle. Uh, either at home or undecided, which I thought. Okay. Was- Are you guys all going to be there? I will be there. Uh, I'm there. My four tickets will be represented. Are they going to? Um, are they going to provide us some um, GSU masks? I don't know if they're providing them. I don't know what that. I about. would love it. I'm I would sure love they'll it. have them. Black ones with their numbers on it. It's pretty pretty cool. Well, oh yeah. I know, no, I mean, I is when can I get on that field and kick a field goal to get my free tickets? They told me <laughs> I can kick a field goal and get my free tickets, and they billed me for my tickets already. So, where, how do I get my free tickets? That's what I want to know. That is a good question. Maybe delayed till next year due to COVID. Oh, possibly so. Possibly so. Hopefully, they raise the tickets prices next year so I can get them for free. Maybe it's better. There you go. So, all right. Well, yeah. Uh, uh, thanks. Special thanks, Ben, for being here, man. It's been great. Yeah, sure. awesome. Thanks for having me. That insider knowledge that, that three of us don't know about and don't care enough to research. So uh, thanks to uh, Ryan and Tim for being here. We're going to go on to last call, which, Ben, you are more than welcome to be part of, but I've seen some yawns going on on your side. So It's all good, man. i got to bang the story out, and I'm going to head to bed myself at 4.15. Right. Wait, wait, wait. Early. Can you not even just give the story on last call? Like... <laughs> It's not even going to come out till Friday and only for people who pay. <laughs> it's all good. It's all good. It's all good. Uh, thanks everybody for listening. Thanks everybody for watching. Uh, thanks for all the questions we got on social media. And yeah, we're going to do last call. It's uh, Are you going to invite people to last call? Yeah. On uh, anybody that's listening, uh, post Jump. in the comments in the Facebook page and uh, that you want to be part of it. I'll send you a link and well, yeah, we'll, uh, have our fans on, uh, our listeners, viewers, oh, fans, they fans, our fans. wonderful fans. Grab it. Uh, let us know if you, if you want to be part of Last Call. We're not going to do it live on uh, Facebook. We're going to do that uh, just ourselves. Uh, yeah, post the link as soon as you can, and I'll send out a uh, link to everybody. I like to see the empty beer here. Anyhow, thanks everybody for uh, listening, watching, and yeah. That's it for us this week. Thank you for listening. Please follow us on Twitter at State of Atlanta or on Facebook at facebook.com slash State of Atlanta. And if you enjoy what you're listening to, please rate and review us on your podcast app. Thank you very much and go Panthers.